Influencers for Good is a new ethical news platform dedicated to featuring incredible people doing incredible things for the planet according to five thematic pillars. People, planet, products, purpose, ideas and solutions. It is time to bring followers to what matters most, our planet and the good people working hard to protect it. A lot of the people and ideas featured on our platform and podcast don't have millions of followers, but they should. The problem is that they're too busy working really hard and we are here to give them a lift up with your help. So don't forget to follow, subscribe and share when you like our work. Welcome back to Influencers for Good. Today we have a, a very special guest, uh, someone that when I think about the values and the worth of what Influencers for Good will be in terms of a platform, I think it represents and ticks every single box. A person of impact, of purpose, that works for the planet, that connects to the communities, and it's creating products that are um, of a different level because there's a lot more heart in the product than anything else. Um, so the floor is yours, German Santillan, all the way from Mexico. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, Natasha, it's just a pleasure and an honor to be here with you recording this podcast. It's just a cool opportunity to share what we are doing here in the Mixtec region of Oaxaca in the south of Mexico. So as you said, my name is Germán Santillán. Uh, I am the founder and CEO of Oaxacanita Chocolate, which is a social indigenous chocolate company that is working towards a better future for the communities that are surrounding our area. So we have been doing this for the last eight years. It's a very delicious job. It's a very interesting job to know our roots and also to reconnect with our ancestors. How did you start this venture in um, chocolate production in Mexico? I'm, I'm guessing this is not what you study. What is your background and how did you decide that the root of social enterprise was what you wanted to do? Yeah, so the story of my family is a very normal one. You know, my grandmother uh, has the chance to study in Mexico City. So she was the first woman of the family that had the chance to go abroad. So she moved to Mexico City. She met my grandfather. Then they decided to grow the family. And then I come to the world. So as you know, as a little kid, I was very used to travel to Tamazulapam del Progreso, which is the community where my grandmother comes from. And it was a very, very special moment for my childhood because every vacation we came to the town, we had the chance to, you know, like uh, discover new experiences around food, around our culture. So... When I was a little kid, I was very used to try the chocolate, you know, uh, and I want to say that here in, in Oaxaca, here in my community, the chocolate has a very, very important um, part in the social dynamics of a community. For the people that probably don't know this, the Mixtec people, which is a group, an indigenous group of Mexico, they were among the first cultures of the world to use chocolate as a symbol for social unions. So it was very cool for me to see how our culture has been retained for too many years. So whenever you come to a wedding, to a funeral, to a birthday, the people in the party, they usually offers hot chocolate 
not only for their guests, but this has a very cool tradition that has more than 800 years. So as you might know, me as a little kid, I just fall in love with chocolate as most of the people do. But I have to say that I had my first experience producing chocolate when I was six years. So in the house of my grandmother, I learned how to roast the cocoa, how to grind it, how to mix it with the other products. And I just got fascinated by how you can create chocolate because nowadays, uh, probably if you go to a shop, you only see the final candy or the final bar and you don't realize where it comes from. So as you might know, when, when you discover uh, a thing that you know how it's done, it's just a, a life-changing experience. And that was for me. So when I was a little kid, I just fall in love with the chocolate. I just fall in love with the process. Uh, I found very interesting to, to make it with my family. So chocolate for myself represents, you know, like this sense of family, of being, uh, of everything is okay. So when I, when I grew up, I decided to study business in the University of the Mixtec region of Oaxaca. So in these, during these days when I was studying business, I just realized that the context of the Mixtec region of Oaxaca wasn't the same of the whole country. You know, Mexico is a huge country and it is so sad to see that most of the South uh, states of my country are facing very, very big problems around poverty, around the lack of professional opportunities. So when I decided to study business, I had some teachers that um, showed me some, you know, like studies and the social economical condition of our region. And I realized that I was living in one of the poorest regions of my country. So, you know, like added to this, I have to say that the systematical problems that we have in the region uh, makes us the region that exports the largest number of workers to the United States. Most of them are illegally. So, so when we, when we know about this history, I just realized the importance of trying to do something for my community. And that's the reason why we decided to combine chocolate and impact in our region with, you know, like this history that we have with the chocolate and with our ancestors and with these conditions that we already have uh, in the region. So that's the, the main reason why we started this project. And that's the main reason we had the chance to know you, to share with the people around the world. And we are more than happy to keep doing that. That's a fantastic story. So really, before becoming being a chocolate maker, you are uh, an historical rescuer of traditions and preserving um, the knowledge of the past and your grandmother. What's your grandmother's name? Uh, my grandmother's name uh, was Josefina. Josefina. So, gracias, Josefin, porque nos ha regalado algo increíble. So, thank you, Josefin, for giving us the, the, the gift of uh, passing on this tradition, and, uh, and now it's going to be honored. Um, so, I was looking through, um, you know, some of the videos and, and the work that you guys have done and literally learning some of the fact that the local chocolate maker's average age is above 60-something years and so this is also like an issue of losing yeah, so. the, the, the skill, the labor that, that has the knowledge. So there's no, nobody 
in the, from the youth that it's as any interest because obviously it's not a viable business, I suppose, from their perspective. Yeah, no, this is a very interesting topic, Natasha, because we, our project uh, in Oaxacanita Chocolate, we realized about some um, inequalities that our community uh, was living. No, I just want to start from, from the heart of the project, which is the work of uh, traditional women cooks. Um, we have to say that most of the women in the indigenous communities of Oaxaca, when they don't participate in some of the big parties of the towns making the food, they have the need to go to other houses to do uh, the chores, you know, like of, of these other families. And most of the time, the treatment that they receive is very bad. So that's the reason why we decided to to create the chocolate company and the the space that we have uh, in in the community. And when when we saw that there was like a lot of lack of opportunities for our people, we also saw that our region has one of the lowest educational rates of our of our country. So. You know, like we have been facing that the elderly doesn't have the same resources as the new generations. And as you might know, in the indigenous communities, most of the people that is in power, which are the older ones, they do not want to add the new, the new people. So in terms of that, we realize that here in Mexico, we have, you know, like a whole vision around chocolate. In Mexico, we have production of cocoa, we have some production of chocolate, and talking about the chocolate in Oaxaca, we have to say that even if it's very important for our community, the product itself doesn't or hasn't been very important lately for the communities because they don't realize about its potential. So talking about the, the, the topic that you were saying, uh, when we decided to develop the work that we are doing in Oaxacanita, we didn't want to focus only in the chocolate. We didn't want to focus only in the final product. We just realized that there are systematical problems in Mexico that are affecting a lot of our, our industry. And one of those uh, systematic problems is that the average age of a Mexican farmer is around 63 years old. So you can imagine that the problems that our field is facing in terms of productivity uh, are very, very important and very concerning because there are no interest to add the new generations to the work on field. So this is a very important thing to talk about because probably in the future, if we don't do anything in Mexico, probably we are going to face very big problems in terms of food security. You know, there's people that they have their own lands and that they don't want to keep being farmers and they are selling their lands to foreigners, even here in Mexico. So we have been facing that, we have been seeing that. And I just want to share with you that here in Oaxacanita, we decided to do something. Um, like six years ago, we started to collaborate with some farmers in some of the communities here in the region. Uh, and this is very important because I want to tell you some other data. Uh, here in Mexico, we have an annual production of 30,000 tons of cocoa. And our uh, Mexican industry 
demands every year 120,000 tons of cocoa, which literally means that that four out of five chocolates produced here in Mexico are produced with foreign cocoa. Cocoa coming from Honduras, cocoa coming from Guatemala, from Ecuador, from Colombia. And it's very sad to say that because we in Mexico, we have the uh, environment, we have the lands, we have the possibilities to produce it. And I want to say something that it's much more concerning about that. Even if in Oaxaca, the chocolate is very important, the state only produces 1% of the cocoa that Mexico produces. So as you can imagine, Oaxaca, even if in Oaxaca, the chocolate is very popular for our social dynamics in our communities, the cocoa is not produced. And even if we have the lands and we have the possibility to produce it, so we decided to do something in Oaxacanita Chocolate six years ago. Uh, as you might know, we have been able to go from community to community. Right now, we are working with 17 communities here in, in Oaxacanita. And in one of those trips, we realized that there was a region in the south part of the Mixtec region of Oaxaca where the people, they have cocoa trees in their backyards. So... It was very cool to see that these people had their own cocoa that was preserved for so many years and that they were using for personal consume. So when we realized about the existence of cocoa in the mixed region of Oaxaca, it was amazing because, you know, when, 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 when you have these numbers, when you have these data, when you have all the things that they seems that they are going just against you, this was a light of hope for us. So we decided to go to those communities to learn about the, the regional cocoa that they have. And we realized that the cocoa that we have in the Mixtec region of Oaxaca has a history of more than 500 years. As you might know, here in Oaxaca, we were conquered by the Dominican uh, order of the Spanish uh, country. So when, when the Spanish people came to our territory, they decided to uh, in, to put or to build a big hacienda that was in charge of production of coffee and cane sugar. And in this process, the Spanish people forced the indigenous communities to cut their cocoa trees. And I want to say and to share this with you because we have found some documents uh, of you know like of these years that were you know like recopulated by very very cool people in the region. And we realized that when the Spanish people came to our region, they were describing that our lands have a lot of cocoa. So it was very interesting to see how these processes were pushing the indigenous communities to try to abandon their roots. But the indigenous people of the region decided to do something else. And they decided to kept their cocoa trees in their own houses so the Spanish people didn't see them. So one of the things that we are doing right now is to connect with these people that they have their cocoa trees and res- and, and try to restore and, and, res- and rescue the native cocoa that we have in the Mixtec region of Oaxaca. And this is very, very beautiful because we have seen that most of the people that has been involved with us they really do these kind of activities of replanting cocoa, not only by seeing that as a business, but they are trying also to reconnect with their ancestors and with their culture.
It's incredible. And the, the, the depth of connection, not only between the communities and, and the cocoa as a source of food, pride, heritage, history lost, history recovered. Um, and now with, with, with your enterprise, you are connecting opportunities for women to resurface this culture and also uh, earn a dignified living. And not just for them, but also for the farmers. So how many families and women are now working in your uh, enterprise? When we decided to start Oaxacanita Chocolate, the only resources that we had was $150 and an empty room of my grandmother's house. So it was a very challenging you know, like objective that we had, because even if you have, you know, like the, the vision around how to build a social enterprise or how to build a business itself, we didn't have like the whole resources. So when we started Oaxacanita, we just started with two persons that they were friends of our family. We started to work in a living room. We didn't have like the facilities. We bought our first 10 kilograms of cocoa in a local shop of the community and when we produced the chocolate we started to sell it to our neighbors our friends our family and it, it was very weird you know like because here in Mexico and in the mixed region of Oaxaca with this historical culture of migration that we have most of the people that met me um they were saying to me, like, why you don't go to Mexico City? Why you don't go to other places if you study the university? Why you want to stay in the community? So the first years of Oaxacanita Chocolate was, were very um, demanding, not only in terms uh, of, you know, like emotionally or financially, but we have, you know, like the, the chance to know and to realize how the community works. So when we started with these two families, we were like ah, going, going around and working and trying to sell our products to little fairs, traveling to Oaxaca City, to Mexico City, to try to combine the people that they can buy our chocolate. And finally, right now, uh, after all these uh, last eight years, uh, we are very happy that we can say that we are working directly with 30 families and we have been able to, you know, like uh, in some part of the year that we are producing corporative gifts, we have been able to work with 100 families in the region in terms of uh, traditional women cooks, in terms of artisans, in terms of cocoa farmers. And we are very happy because we have seen that uh, the production that we have, it really connects some of the most important uh, cultural parts of our region. So, yeah, right now we are working in all the year with 30 families and depending on the demand, we have been able to work with more people here in the region. To think that you, you carried out a, a vision with nothing and created so much impact and success and also produced a product that, I said, your chocolate is not an average chocolate. It's a premium product. It's a, It's almost like a luxury chocolate, if you like, because it's not for... It's not it's not the, the chocolate that you buy at the supermarket and you consume you, you consume in quantities or in large quantities. It's really like a gourmet. Every bite tastes like the hours of labors and the many people that have done everything from by hand and from the beginning to the end. It's really like the craftsmanship that is into it. It's into every bite, right? 
and you've achieved that in yeah, in five, what eight eight years? Not even. You started in 2015. You said right. Yeah, I started in 2015, and I have to say that this journey has been uh, very explosive. <laughs> you've not only realized the vision, you've started going internationally. People are knowing you. you. Your chocolate got recognized. You won like a prestigious prize. From where you started, where you are right now, of course, the question to all the social enterprises: you begin with the humble vision of making impact, then you start making impact, but you need to grow because you need to grow to expand the vision and expand the impact. Yeah. But can you grow on a product like this organically and maintain the honesty of the impact and the dignified treatment of the people? Do you think that's possible? And what is the pace for that? Because I think that you have some limitations in, in terms of growth if you want to maintain a certain level, but also a certain impact. Uh, and can that then grow? Yeah, Natasha. So the, I have to say that right now it is not only possible it's an obligation for every businessman to do something for the community you know um, when we started uh, the social business were not popular here in mexico and when we started Oaxacanita chocolate even we didn't realize that we were doing something like that we just thought that we were a normal company that were producing something to sell it and to make profit but when we started our work in Oaxacanita and when we started to collaborate with more people of the communities, we realized about the deep challenges in terms of inequalities that we are facing here in the region. And it was very hard to see people having bad treatments in their other jobs, have bad treatments in their own families. So every time when we produce chocolate, when the traditional woman cooks come to our workshop, they said that, right? Like they find in the chocolate a way they can just have a time for themselves where they have their own payment, that they have the opportunity to not being uh, asking to their husbands for help. They feel empowered. So when we heard that kind of histories, we realized about the importance of keep doing this. Because um, even if we were producing a chocolate, even if we were uh, trying to promote the local traditions in terms of chocolate production of our region with our clients, we realized that even producing one chocolate can create impact in the people that is collaborating with us. So with, with this, I want to say that there is a huge opportunity nowadays for the business to not only have a good product, but also to uh, impact their community and impact their collaborators. And this is very important because when you have a very good team, you can do a lot of more things. For example, I want to share with you that in 2016, uh, former President Obama selected us as one of the best social projects of Latin America and the Caribbean. And we were very, very happy because even if here in the community the project wasn't understandable as it was, in other parts of the world, they were recognizing the importance of these kind of new companies that are emerging to not only solve economical problems, but also to try to empower a community. So right now, when you said like, uh, how you can manage the balance between that, 
I want to share with you that um, I am very lucky to have one very special person in my life, which is my wife. Ruth uh, has been able to work with me for the last six, seven years. And we have been able to understand better the region because she was a primary school teacher and she has a master's in folk dance. And she loves cultures, she loves music, she loves the region. And at the same time, uh, with my profile around business, we have a very good balance between that. So all the things that we have been doing together have been uh, able to give us the chance not only to work inside the community, but also have giving, giving us the chance to share our project uh, abroad. So after after this opportunity that we had with uh, former President Obama that I traveled to the United States, at the same time, my wife was uh, playing a very huge role here in, in Mexico, uh, trying to put all the things together, trying to make the chocolate company were working well, even if I not in, in, in the country. So with her support and the support of all the team, we have been able to not only being... Uh, awarded by the U.S. government, but also we have been awarded by Meta as one of the success story worldwide as how we are using social media. We have been able to be recognized by TED, by the Organization of the American States. Uh, last year, we had the chance to go to Europe in Germany, where we receive an award there. And then this year, in Switzerland, the the World Intellectual Property Organization selected us as one of their success stories of how we are uh, using intellectual property to defend a tradition that we have here in the region. And yeah, uh, if you want to create impact, you have to make profit. And it, it, it doesn't, um, you know, like it, it's, it's not bad to make profit of what you are doing uh, with your work. The thing here is, um, and I think that this is the most important part of a project like this, is to have ethical leadership. And that is very difficult. And we have been able to, you know, like to talk with a lot of people. We have been able to know other organizations, to, to know other governments and this. And we have faced it that is very hard, but I mean, really hard to have ethical leadership. So. It, it, it is a, just a mixture of, of different things. Why do you think is it so difficult, though? Because if you are, if, if, you know, and, and also let's define ethical leadership. Ethical leadership of the business enterprise or ethical leadership from the people around you that are like in positions of power? Who, which one are we talking about? I think that the most important is from the people. Uh, because an organization is just the reflection of the people that is working on, on it. And it is very hard to see that, for example, here in Mexico, right now that we are facing very huge troubles in terms of security, you know, like there is this narco culture that we have been uh, leaving for the last 15 years that has damaged a lot the social tissues that we have in the, in the, in the country. Uh, we have seen that, you know, like most of the people, they want everything very fast. It seems that most of the people, when they go to Internet, when you go to social media, you see like perfect lives that you see that 
Uh, there's people that is having everything and nobody tells you the cost of the things. So most of the people uh, just get confused and they decided to go for the easy way. And for example, here in Mexico, it is very sad to see that, uh, you know, like youth uh, government uh, people that is in, in the offices of, of the government, that there's people that is having, you know, like a leadership position in a company and when they do not have good values when when they do not think think about community they start to do very bad things for for it so i think that more than our organization itself it depends on the people and it is very important for example here in mexico to keep building role models because right now a role model for a primary school kid is a narco trafficker and it is very sad to to say that and to see that but we are facing that so uh, yeah i think that part of the work of a social entrepreneur or a social leader um, is very related on how well based are your values and how you are uh, humble how you are responsible how you are punctual how you are honest and I think that we should be take, talking more about that. Well, I guess you, the, the the job is on you to make chocolate making sexy again, so that it could be appealing to the average kid that is in school that dreams of becoming a modern Willy Wonka in Mexico to preserve yeah. traditions. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no. Yeah. And and one one now that you said the, what's happening with the kids. When we realize about this situation that we are facing here in Mexico, you know, like there are some studies that say that Mexico as a country is the second more violent country in the world. And that's very hard to, 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 to hear. And with this, with this, you know, like with these conditions that we have here in the region, we decided to do also something. Um, as you might know, and as we have been talking about, with the average age of a Mexican farmer, with the conditions of the Mexican field and the cocoa production. Um, here in Oaxacanita Chocolate, we decided to create uh, a very cool initiative that is the La Escuelita del Cacao, which literally means the Little Cocoa Academy. This is the first, and this is officially the first agricultural program in Mexico that is empowering new generations uh, on the field. So what we basically do in the Little Cocoa Academy is to create different activities, games and plays. So the thing uh, is that the new generations can have the opportunity to learn about the story of the chocolate in the region, to know how they can produce the cocoa. We have been able to give to them, you know, like little cocoa trees so they can replant it in their own houses. Uh, and we have seen that with this program, where right now we have 100 kids in, in it, um, they have been able not only to understand more their culture, but they have been able to realize that in their communities, they can develop themselves. And this is very important because right now, if you go to Mexico City, if you go to other places, you know, the market is very challenging and the cost of life and the quality of life in a big city is also a thing that we have to be also talking about in reality. Because when you grow up in a little town, 
you always want to go to the big city. You always want to go to, you know, like to, to, to the civilization, as some people say. But we are trying to make these little kids realize that they are very fortunate to live in a place where they have nature, they have contact with their people, where they have contact with their roots. So yeah, we have been doing that and we are very happy to see that there is a new hope for the field here in the region and how the new generations are getting interested in the work on field. So tell me a little bit more about how does it work with La Escuelita del Chocolate? Is this, uh, it's a program that you run how often, where, how many kids have participated so far, what's the impact? And if I'm not wrong, you've also done one pilot in another country. So there are, you're looking at expanding the model. Yeah, so the thing is that with these conditions that we saw here in Mexico and with the last travels that we had uh, abroad, uh, our country, we realized uh, that all the world is facing this challenge. You know, like new generations do not want to work on the field. Uh, agriculture is not cool anymore. And this is very concerning because of the problems that we are going to face in the future, in the food, uh, pro in the food production. So, uh, as you said, we decided to do this, uh, this program. Um, we have to say that we are very fortunate because in Oaxacanita Chocolate, we have some other allies. And uh, I want to say with you that we have been receiving funding from the U.S. government through the Young Leaders of the Americas Initiative. We have been able to receive uh, funding from the Organization of the American States through the Young America's Business Trust, and we have been able to collaborate with a big company in the world that is located also here in Mexico, which is Unilever. So with them, we have been able to produce this program that is empowering these new generations. So we basically, what we do is uh, we created a little book. We create art for the kids so they can learn and read about the chocolate importance in our region and about the cocoa history in our region so they can realize that they are the owners of a very big cultural aspect of Mexico. Uh, so the thing is that when we started this project, uh, we started with 50 kids and most of these kids were, you know, like the sons of the cocoa farmers that were currently collaborating with us. So we decided to invite some of them to know, to, to share some information about the chocolate, about the cocoa culture that we had in the region. And it was very fascinating to see that even if most of the kids love chocolate, they didn't realize that with the cocoa, they can produce it. So it was very fascinating to see that most of these kids were like, my dad has these trees in the house. I will use them to produce more chocolate for myself. And that was like huge, you know, like because um, in this region where we are collaborating right now and in this region where we are doing the Escuelita del Cacao, uh, we have to say that 10 years ago, most of these communities were having a lot of troubles from communities, you know, like there is like this territorial fights between communities and even uh, most of the people weren't allowed to have friends in other communities. So when we started this program, we just decided to put all the kids from these different communities together and they started to realize that they can be friends. 
that they can have other friends in other communities and they can be in contact with them. So when we, when we saw that, we just realized that there is a huge difference between a rural kid and a city boy. Uh, it is very important to say that most of the rural kids are very well connected with their land, with the natural resources. They really love their culture. They really love their, their territory. And the, the thing that we just learned is that right now the people in power of these communities that they are, you know, like running the field, that they are receiving support from government programs, they are very close to collaborate with youth. So one of the biggest problems and systematical problems that we are facing right now in, in the field was this lack of collaboration, of intergenerational collaboration. So when we started the, the Little Coco Academy, we decided to also invite uh, some friends that they were coming to Mexico. And one of them was our mentor, Sebastian Pitko. He is from Germany. We were able to collaborate together because we were participating in a program that is run by the Vestavelle Foundation in Germany. And he was very impressed about our story. So he decided to come to Mexico. And when we shared to him, you know, like all the things that we were doing here in the region, he just got very inspired. So when he moved back to Germany, he decided to do also something. And he, you know, like he, Sebastian is a very special person because uh, he really loves uh, Motherland. So he decided to found his own company called Motherland where they are also uh, providing opportunities for farmers in Kenya, in Africa. But after he saw the work that we were doing with the Little Coco Academy, he decided to do something and replicate the program in Kenya. So we were having some uh, meetings together. We were discussing about how we were working here in the region. And we have been able to have a successful replication of the program right now running in, in Kenya. So we are, you know, like one of the first programs in the world that is having this systematical vision around fields and that is empowering new generations. And that is one of the most important messages that we are trying to share with the world that we have to empower new generations so they can uh, really have the opportunity to change our world. And the only way they can do that is by the support of the generations in power. So we are very, very proud of what we have been seeing. And right now the, the, the students that we have here in, in the region, now that they are 100, we send to them the pictures of the other kids in Kenya, also working in the field, like having fun activities, playing and that stuff. And, and they just can't believe that, you know, like, because we say to them, because of you, there is something happening in Kenya. And they are like, what? So it's very, very cool to, to see that kind of impact and to let them know that. As I read somewhere, I think on your website, is that uh, el chocolate une a las personas. Chocolate brings people together. Yeah. So that's definitely what you're doing. And together, not only in your community, but then cross-community and across different continents even. That's a really beautiful story. What happens, uh, uh, I think you were telling me when we were at TED, um, you were 
telling me something about um, preserving different species also of these chocolate trees and uh, uh, creating like a proper uh, plantation and that's expanding too. And can you tell me a little bit more about it? Yeah, sure. So when we started to realize about the existence of cocoa here in the region, uh, you know, like me as a student of business and my wife as a student of folk dance, we were like, we were not able to understand so well uh, the cocoa uh, itself. So during the last years, we have been able, you know, to learn more from others, from other mentors that we have. And it was very uh, fun, funny, <laughs> because even if we were working the cocoa production, we didn't know what kind of cocoa we were producing. We just thought that they were one kind of cocoa. And, you know, like in our ignorance, we were just doing the things just by doing them. So we decided to invite another friend here in the region, which his name is Sophie van der Becken. She's a, a chocolatier that she comes from Belgium and now she lives here in Mexico City. And she has been also supporting us to try to uh, professionalize the work that we are doing in field. So when when we decided to invite her, she was like, okay, what kind of cocoa you are producing? And we didn't have any idea, you know? So the thing is that we, with her, we made some uh, proofs and we made some, uh, you know, like there, there are some uh, ways to know which kind of cocoa you are producing, uh, which basically is to cut the sieve in the half and you can see the color of the, of the sieve. And it was very uh, interesting because there is uh, three kinds of cocoa that are, you know, like worldwide known, which is the criollo, the forastero, and the trinitario. So each of these kind of cocoa has their own um, uh, characteristics. And when we made our proofs in the region, we realized that most of the cocoa that we have in the region is criollo cocoa which is a very, very special kind of cocoa that is especially demanded in the gourmet uh, chocolate industry. Just to give you a data, for example, there are some communities in Chiapas, in another state of Mexico, that they sell every kilogram of cocoa for, I don't know, like 2.5 US dollars. And... With this criollo cocoa, you can reach other markets, even international markets, that are paying around 15 US dollars for each kilo. So the thing is that we are right now is um, we are trying to do we are trying to professionalize the work that we are doing, so we can um, try to standardize quality. We try to uh, have and reach other markets, not only with the chocolate that we produce but also with the cocoa that we are producing in the region. So it, there is a lot of things to do right now in the future. And the, the other thing that we want to say is also that we realize in Oaxacanita Chocolate that more important than the final resort, the result, um, is to really enjoy the journey, you know? We find a lot of joy in our day-to-day -day trying to do something for the project, trying to do something for the community. And we have found in our day-to-day -day 
the special motivation to keep doing this work because it's been very hard, you know, like there's a lot of needs in the region. There's a lot of lack of public service. You know, we don't, I don't want to talk about the uh, hospitals. I don't want to talk about, you know, like the, the, the condition of the streets of our territory. There's a lot of problems going on here and we face it that probably, uh, trying to solve these kind of problems will demand a lot of time. So we need to find joy in our day to day. That's why I think we have been able to keep running the project. Running the project. Well, you are in the right business, right? Because yeah. when you're all depressed <laughs> and we have uh, hiccups in our own journey, we always reach out for co for chocolate and uh, and you can drink a really nice hot cup of cocoa yeah. that comes from your very own backyard, <laughs> made your grandmother <laughs> yeah. style. So th there you go. <laughs> you have it all. I mean, it's definitely one of the best yeah. jobs. It's really fantastic what you're doing. And um, I guess also like the, the naivety with which you jumped into it without worrying about the process, just following the heart of retrieving the traditions lost from uh, family, really. So it's, it's, it's really a family business that has become yeah. a community business and just a larger family. I love it. With this platform, we hope to give you like a lift up and get more people to get to know what you're doing and reach out. So... If you have to think about a vision and a dream in the short term first, what is it that you could use community and global support for? What is it that you would like to have if you could get more of? And then in the longer term, what is the vision? Where do you see Ojanita Chocolate becoming yeah. within the next five and 10 years? So short term, what can we get yeah. or do for you within the next 12 months? And then five years down the line, five and 10 where do you hope to go? Wow. Well, th those are very uh, interesting and deep questions. Uh, I am thinking about the, the way that we have been able to receive support from people abroad in Mexico has been in two ways. Uh, and this is for the short term. If somebody that is hearing this podcast and that wants to contribute to our cause, uh, we can... You know, like sell chocolate worldwide. If you WhatsApp us, if you write us on our social media, we are going to be more than happy to send us chocolate. We have been able to send chocolate to Germany, to the US, to Canada, uh, to different places in the world. And we have been uh, very happy to see that even if you are in the other part of the world and you heard about our story, we can make, you know, like these little ships to chocolate directly to the final consumers. And this is working very well for us because all the systematical problems that the logistics um, uh, demands for, you know, like, like companies. The first form of support is go to Wakanita website, buy the chocolate, talk about the products, tell people yeah. that this exists and this is an amazing story. So be a customer is kind of like short term is yeah. buy from us, try our chocolate see how you know taste it for yourself and then within the five to ten years as you grow the customer base where do you hope to see the impact in the community what is your grander vision yeah so our grander vision you know like uh, right now that we have been able to start this Im imagination process for our company we and, and, and I want to share it with you. We have in mind to create a mixtech cocoa center in our region that can support little farmers and that can create local research 
around the cocoa that we have in the region. That's one of the biggest plans that we have in the future, and that's one of the things that we are currently trying to work in. Uh, in in the other in other term, we see um, you know like a, a company that really is impacting not only its own people but it's also uh, impacting others' lives. And we have been starting that you know like right now here in Oaxacanita, we have been able with our allies we have been able to create uh, you know like human rights programs. We have been able to create leadership, educa educative. STEAM programs for the region. We have been able even to collaborate with other organizations uh, around healthcare. You know, like this year, we gave 100 breast cancer studies to one of the communities of artisans that are working with us. Um, so one of the things that we also envision in the future is that Oaxacanita can be recognized as this uh, opportunity creator not only for the people that is collaborating directly with us but for all the people in the community and we have been starting to doing that but we want to keep uh, doing that work and and also one of the other things that we are currently trying to to do in the long term is also as you said have more clients reach more companies that they can realize about the importance of our products here in in the community and in one in, in one sentence uh, we always say that we want to create a better world through chocolate so that's one of the things that we are currently working on and even if 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 it's a long journey because it's not being easy uh, it is so so good to to be speaking with you natasha for example and to be sharing these experiences that we have uh, with the world. And that is one of the other things that makes this journey very special. Thank you. I mean, it's amazing to be here listening to all of this and to know that there are people that are willing to go such a greater extra mile to not just have a job, but to really have a, a mission that really makes you like the stewards of your own community to kind of preserve something that is just so valuable. I remember the first time, and you know, I'm I'm not young, but I remember the first time that I went to Bali, um, maybe a couple, almost a couple of decades ago, and um, I took one of these tours in their plantation, and they, they have a lot of cocoa as well, and I remember talking to these guys, and they were like, you know, we don't produce, we just export all our cocoa, because we don't have the capacity or the know-how developed here to actually create a finished product, and then a bunch, a couple of, um, of guys, thinking American and Australians, um, set out to do something similar and they created the big tree farm um, factory and they created basically a chocolate factory in the in the in the jungle um with italian machines <laughs> and uh, and that was the first time <laughs> that they produced the finished chocolate unfortunately i think that they stopped i don't know what went wrong maybe pandemic or before i think that they don't do the chocolate part anymore uh, which is very sad because i thought it was really fantastic um but there's so many situations of communities like this around the world because, like you said, the young generations don't want to be farmers because they grew up with the stories of how farming is hard life. Farming is underpaid. Uh, somebody comes and exploits you by taking your product for peanuts and then you put the hard work and there's nothing left and you're still struggling. So why should you wish a life like that for your kids? And that generation is now the generation that wants to escape or that has raised kids telling them to escape. 
So it's kind of recuperating. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. That there's a lot of healing that needs to happen into the process because the process at some point was as has been broken in um, in order to grow, in, in order to become extremely yeah. commercially viable. It destroyed the 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 dignity that it could have had with it, and so it, it killed really the. the the original manufacturers, which is really sad. And this is, I think, when we're talking about climate change, that's what we need to fix. Because if we don't fix yeah. that part but, of the production, I don't know if we're going to fix the planet. Yeah, and actually, Natasha, I want to share with you something that you have said that is also very important trying to build social companies. Is that, for example, here in the region, our emotions and, you know, like these... Uh, colonization processes that we have been living in the region um, are affecting us nowadays. You know, for example, I just want to share something about the chocolate that right now we have seen that even the chocolate, even if it was produced firstly here in Mexico, uh, it has been also colonized. You know, right now what we understand about chocolate is the bars or is this little uh, pieces of, of of candies and even if okay those are a different expressions of culture uh, these processes of colonizations have been able to retire our own recognition and self-esteem so one of the things that we are currently trying to work in is how a local product can be recognized by people abroad. For example, right now, our conversation is very important for our objectives here in the region because we are going to be able to share with our community this work that we are doing together with the podcast. And this really elevates our self-esteem. And that really makes us feel proud about what we are. So there is a lot of processes that most of indigenous communities must uh, be living right now but i think that um you know like companies like us the work that we are currently doing uh, if we can inspire one person to do something for their community we are going to be more than happy for all the things that we have been uh, doing for the last years that's amazing and I, 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 I mean i can speak for myself you already inspired one person i'm here <laughs> totally inspired yeah. by you. I think that what you do it's super fantastic, and um, we definitely need more people that do the same. We definitely need that education part. Um, it is important that you're working on a product that receives awards because, like you said, that travels internationally and inspires people to be proud when they hear that their chocolate has been recognized in a place so far away that they may never visit, but there's someone somewhere else on the other side of the world that knows about what can eat the chocolate, even though. They come maybe pinpointed on the map. Um, yeah. Do you welcome people that want to come and visit? Do you do things on location for people that are interested in exploring more what you're doing, whether it's like a B2B to other yeah. social entrepreneurs that want to learn or for businesses or what, what is that? What can we do? Like I told you already, I want to come, but can I bring a group? Yeah, please write us, write us. If you have the chance and the possibility to come and visit us, please write us. And we have been able to build a tour in the Coco communities. It is ready to receive people. If you want to come to the region, we are going to be more than happy to give you all the indications and the support through the communities so you can learn more about the 
story that we have around chocolate. And that's one of the things that we are currently working in because, you know, like here, you know, like Mexico itself is a country or is a touristic country. So we, one of the things that we are trying to do right now here in the region, even if, if the, if Oaxaca city is a very touristic place in Mexico, the mixtec region of Oaxaca where we are located, it is not. So one of the things that we are trying to do for the last uh, years is trying to create this local tour, the chocolate tour, we call it. And uh, we have been able to receive people. So everybody that wants to come by it will be uh, surprised by good stories, by good chocolate, by good people. And we are going to be more than happy to receive everybody that wants to come. That's fantastic. So you heard that you're invited. That's, that's your official invitation to go to yeah. explore <laughs> Wakaka and understand how the chocolate is made. I wanted to close with one yeah. final sure. kind of maybe pearl of wisdom. Like I've been watching some of the videos and the TED Talk and a few other things that are online. And um, there are these women that it's just so nice to hear how they they feel that they've recovered lost part of themselves almost from being able to be part of this and what is your takeaway from this what any any final word of like reflection on the journey so far and empowering those women what what has that created for you in terms of change of mindset or new understanding Oof. Uh, also there's a lot of takeaways that i have been able to have for for me you know uh, there are a lot and and i think that uh, you know, uh, I think that, I think that this year, uh, specifically has been a very cool year for myself personally. Because, for example, just, uh, this year I have been able to be, to become the god, uh, godfather of two little kids that they are kids of some of, of the collaborators of us in Oaxacanita Chocolate. Uh, one of them was finishing kindergarten and the other girl was finishing high school. And I just found very cool to see how the new generations are coming even if in, in our team. So right now when their parents, you know, like our collaborators, they decided to uh, ask us to become their godparents. It was just so cool to see how our relationship with our people and our team has been too deep to the point that right now we are literally family. And this is very important because, um, for example, two years ago when my brother passed away from COVID, it was also a very challenging time for me to realize how fragile life is. So one of the biggest takeaways that I kept for myself is that even the work that I am doing, the activities that I am doing, that the things that our team is together doing is not only bringing us economical retribution or social retribution, but it's also giving us uh, a familiar retribution. And I think that that's very important. And I think that when you start a social business, uh, trying to build community and you can experience what I have been experiencing with my team uh, till the point that we right now, we are compadres, as we said here in Mexico. 
uh, which literally means godfathers and uh, it is very special for me and you know like in terms of uh in professionalization of of our work we have seen women that are more capable and that can decide for their own future you know it has been a very challenging journey because we have seen that some of the women collaborators that we had in the team they even had the the confidence to say no to their husbands and right now we have been able to see how their, the women of our team are having a very special uh, position in their lives they are having a special position in their communities for example just one artisan that collaborates with us their community decided to invite her to be uh, like a local ministry of education of their community so it, it is very cool to see how the work that we are currently doing is affecting others lives but more importantly it's also affecting you and and i want to 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 also share with you that the the vision that i have for all these work that we have been doing is very simple but it is about if you live in a very good community, you will live in a very good country and you will live in a very good world. And everybody lives better in a better world. So why you don't do more for your for the others? So that's very important for, for me and I think that that's my, uh, my philosophy of life. That's really beautiful. Thank you. And it's, it's just so true. Better community better towns, better towns, better cities, countries, and everybody is absolutely better in the bigger picture. So we need to always work on the small and what's in front of us. I mean, it's very noble, the work you do. I'm so thrilled that we got a chance to catch up. I think that we could talk for another three hours, to be honest, because I have a long list of more technical questions, yeah. <laughs> more practical stuff about the, the running of the making of the chocolate and this Willy Wonka uh, practical fantasy that you have manifested which is wonderful um, <laughs> but I think we need to leave it for the next time maybe after I've been there to visit and uh, and film uh, on the ground that would be really amazing thank you for listening to the Influencers for Good podcast I hope you have enjoyed this episode if so don't forget to like and subscribe also check our news platform influencersforgood.blog for more content about our guests or to collaborate with us